Father, thank you uh, for this time. We're grateful that you've provided a way for us to be reconciled and also a way for us to become whole, to experience the fullness of life, a satisfying life, meaningful relationships, effective ministry, a full life. Father, protect us now as we study. Don't let anything interrupt this time. We pray for our loved ones that aren't here in the room, that they would need our attention right now. Pray even for the things we own, that they can't distract us from this time right now. Father, it says that you are light and that there's no darkness in you. We are your children, so we want to be like you. Help each of us to get rid of any darkness that's in us so that we can become like you. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And each one has a heart to be whole and to help others become whole. So thank you for them. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you can open your syllabus to chapter 2, which is the introduction. That's page 8 if you, in your printed syllabus. The main concept behind prayer resolution is that when we pray in an effective way, when we pray in a way that God can respond, then he resolves the emotional and spiritual issues in our life. Oftentimes this also affects uh, physical ailments and illnesses too, indirectly. And so we pray and he resolves. So there's lots of different uh, counseling. There's um, lots of different kinds of Christian counseling. But they need to include prayer. And they need to pray in a way that God can respond so that their problems are resolved. And so they may have many things that are useful. Many things that are useful, but... It's our experience that without God directly involved, directly involved in the healing process, that it won't be complete. It won't be permanent. And so every Christian counselor should have prayer resolution in their toolkit. Other things may be useful, uh, but unless it includes praying to God in a way that he can respond and resolve, it won't be complete. They don't have to throw away all the other things they've learned. They should just add prayer resolution to their toolbox. So prayer resolution is an addition, not a substitution. We're not trying to displace, we're not trying to replace the things that they have there because they have their value. What we're trying to do, though, is make sure that God is allowed to respond to prayer. So that's why we say prayer resolution is an addition, not a substitution. Some people have this idea, I'm on page 9 here, that counseling is totally separate from God, that these are two different realms, that you can do counseling and God does not have to be part of it, or you can do counseling and God is just a passive bystander. If you think this way, that counseling is separate from God, then God will have no active role in what you do. Have no active role 
uh, in the session. Passive ways that we could uh, include God in a session is, you know, I have a picture of Jesus on the wall, so I am a Christian counselor. Well, that's great that you have a picture on your wall, but we want God actively involved in the session, not just a bystander. Or if you pray at the beginning of the session, you pray at the end, but you don't include God in the process, this is including God in a very passive way. It doesn't mean that God's involved. It just it's a it's a um, abstract presence, not a active presence. So if what happens if we don't include God in the process? What if we don't include God in the counseling process? What if it's just uh, our thoughts and our will willpower to overcome our problems? We can cope and we can survive with these without including God, but we can't resolve, completely resolve, permanently resolve um, these issues without God's help. If we don't include God in the session, what we're saying is we don't need him, that we are sufficient in ourselves, that our knowledge, our standard, our standards, our experience, that it's enough. We don't need God. We don't need God directly and actively involved in the session. We got it covered. We can do all this ourselves. Um, that we're sufficient in ourselves. That we have control. We can control ourselves without God's help, our destiny. It also means that our ability to reason is all we need. We don't need God's help. We can just simply overcome all our problems through our own reasoning, through our own thoughts, through our own willpower. We don't need God. But what happens if we do include God in the session? Okay, If God is an active part of the session, then he's the source of wisdom and power to affect the change. And these changes will be long-lasting and complete. With God involved in the session, then he's helping us to destroy these destructive patterns and forces. He's helping us to be healed. We want God to be involved in the session in an active way because our reasoning, our willpower, our thoughts, our experience, it's not enough. Those are all good things, but if we want to resolve it completely, we need to include God and be open to his direction in the session. So we partner with God in a session to help the hurting one be restored. We don't we don't become zombies for God. We don't become possessed by God's spirit and throw our reason away. We still have our reason. We still have our thoughts. Uh, we still have our experience, and those are good things, but they're not enough by themselves. So we invite God to into the session, and we ask, uh, <clears throat> and we listen to his Holy Spirit, and um, not just the safe helper listens, but also the, the hurting one. They can agree on what's true and right because God's Spirit is in both of them. 
So in the session then, what is our focus? Well, a key part of it is Christ's death and resurrection. But um, when we pray, we pray to the Father. And uh, our high priest is Jesus himself. Christ is the high priest. And it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the things that we don't understand or the things that are unknown. So all parts of the Godhead are involved in the session. So the primary method for involving God in the session is prayer. Our prayer to him and his response to us. So prayer is the main way. We do use our reasoning. We do have to decide what's sin and what's not. And we do have a will. And so all those things are there as part of the session too. But we, as his children, we invite him to work, be at work in that session. Okay, God isn't uh, too busy to listen or too busy to answer our prayers. We want the presence of God in that session. We want God himself to be present in that session. Not just Jesus, but the Father and the Son. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three. And when we do this, we have to pray in a way that's effective. We have to pray uh, in his way, according to his terms. Now, Christ has provided everything we need to resolve these things. His sacrifice is enough. We just need to pray. We just need to pray, and then it's resolved. God responds and resolves it. Christ's sacrifice is enough. We don't try to substitute God with something else. Um, We include God in the session and Christ's sacrifice is enough. Because of his sacrifice, we have every reason to believe that this will be resolved. Okay. Now, when it comes to secular counseling, secular counseling does not recognize the need to deal with God's standard. Secular counselors, sin is relative. You're wronged or you wrong others. They explain it as a product of the environment. And so both this psychoanalytical approach or behavioral approaches, what they tell us is that there's forces outside of us that control our behavior. Our environment controls our behavior. In the behavioral approach, it's the outside environment that is controlling us. Now, in both the psychological and behavioral approaches, they lessen our own responsibility for what we do, for our actions, for our words. They minimize it and put the responsibility on something outside of ourself. So you can see this in the secular counseling when something ter- some terrible crime has happened and the psychoanalysis or the behavioralist, he says they're not responsible for what they do because they were abused or because they're in poverty or because the environment that they live in is toxic or unwholesome. So the idea here then is man is just a product of his environment. He can't help 
what he does. He's not responsible for what he does. He's just simply a product of his environment. But the problem with this is if you do provide a healthy environment, one that's for good, and he does wrong, then what? What happens then? So in non-Christian counseling, the hurting one's evaluated in terms of himself and the world without taking into account any active participation by God. It's basically a humanistic focus. The idea is man can change or man can affect his destiny through understanding and through his own determination. He doesn't need anything, anything else. And because God's standards are not recognized, then there's no need to deal with violating his standards. The guilt they talk about is relative. It's not according to God's standard. And when we're wronged or if we wrong others, it's explained away as just being a product of the environment. In your book then on page 12 and all the way through to page 16, there's um, brief descriptions of all the secular counselors and uh, a very uh, brief analysis and summary for each one. And um, Now, I know that most of you aren't counselors and uh, don't plan to be. You just simply want to uh, apply PR. And so this might not be um, interesting to you, but for others, it's probably very interesting. So um, I leave it up to you uh, whether you read these sections or not. And this is uh, Richard's analysis of secular counseling through his, his reading and his, his study. So let's turn now to page 17. It talks about Christian counseling. So unlike the secular counseling, Christian counseling recognizes the need to conform to and deal with God's standard. But in most counseling, when they use prayer, it's used in a very general way. It's just a general presentation of the problem. So they are seeking God's help, But this general presentation of the problem says that I just need to give the problem to God and he'll automatically handle it, that there's no process involved. I just have to tell him what the problem is and God will automatically handle it. And that with understanding, we can be released. We can handle it when we understand it. Um, But this kind of Christian counseling... um, emphasizes just applying our own will, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, as we say in America, that we can change our minds and our behavior just as an act of our will. It pushes aside any need for God to intervene, any need for his power to get involved. There's many different Uh, Christian counselors listed here on page 17 and um, going all the way through uh, page 22. And it goes through each of the different counseling methods and what their key, uh, uh, summary of what their, how they go about doing counseling. And again, I would encourage you to uh, read these, be aware of these. We're not saying (coughs) that these things Uh, What we're saying is that um, each one is a little different and some include God more than others. Each one has its own uh, good things and it also has its um, weaknesses. And so 
I would encourage you to read these. I won't go through them right now. And to be honest, I'm not an expert on, on any of these other methods. I haven't studied them. And so go ahead and read those and understand them um, at your own leisure. So then turn to page 22. And on page 22, we start talking about prayer resolution. So this phrase, prayer counseling, it's used a lot in Christian circles. And it can, but it has lots of different meanings. We have a very precise meaning when we say prayer resolution. But for some people, they say prayer counseling means you open the session and close the session with prayer. Okay. As we already discussed, that's not what we mean. We, we mean actively including God throughout the session. Others say it's Christian counseling because the person they're talking to is a Christian. They're a counsel, Christian counselor or a pastor or a priest, and they're the one praying for the person. So that's why it, that's what makes it Christian counseling. Sometimes they have the Christian share his feelings with the counselor, and sometimes it's with a group. Sessions try to get the believer to feel his emotions and let them out. Um, it's not bad to feel your emotions, and it's not bad to let them out, but it's not enough. It won't completely resolve their issue. Now, others, prayer counseling is, it means claiming victory over the issue through Jesus. And some are um, just head-based. Others are very faith-believing based. And some are even uh, by uh, intervening in a Christian's life. Uh, Some focus heavily on the work of the Holy Spirit and others focus on Jesus. So here's the point then is not all prayer counseling is the same. There's a tremendous variety of types of prayer counseling that's out there. We call it prayer resolution in an attempt to set it apart from just counseling. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I do, and then you tell me if it's counseling. I listen to a person uh, describe an incident, an issue, and how it affects them and how it made them feel. And then I help them to pray in a way that God can respond. Is that counseling? Okay, most people would say no. That's not counseling. Is PR counseling? Well, you're helping them forgive. You're helping them to pray. It seems more like discipleship, doesn't it? Before the word counseling existed, it was probably called discipleship. And so we call it prayer resolution because the concept is that the hurting one prays. And then the safe other adds their witnessing prayer and God resolves. God resolves the emotional, the spiritual issue that we're dealing with. If there's no prayer, it's not prayer resolution. If there's no expectation that God's going to resolve it, if there's no openness to God in the session, it's not prayer resolution. It's his response to prayer that brings the healing. Lots of counseling have discovered uh, important truths and important methods. And even secular counselors have discovered important truths and methods. But um, they're just not enough by themselves. We must include God in the session if we want it to be complete, if we want it to be final.
So in prayer resolution, we recognize that understanding is useful and it's needed. But we also recognize that only God can deal with the issue. What others have done against us must be dealt with. But in prayer resolution, we also hold them responsible for their own actions and responses. So we, at the same time, we can accuse and forgive and confess and ask for forgiveness. We can do, we must do all of these things so that we don't lessen our responsibilities for the wrongdoing. In prayer resolution, there must be resolution. The issue must be resolved. If it's not resolved, we missed something or the prayer was, anyway, there's something, something amiss because, uh, If it's not resolved, then there's something that's not complete, something that's not finished. And the resolution, though, doesn't come from understanding. The resolution doesn't come from expressing our emotion. It only comes when God acts on the believer's behalf. And when we present our needs to God, we need to present them in a detailed way. They need to be specific They have to have focus so that God can answer specifically and God can answer with focus. So the details are also very important in PR. So prayer resolution is solution-oriented, solution-oriented. And it's Christ's sacrifice that we are applying during the sessions. What makes prayer resolution different? What makes prayer resolution different than these other forms of counseling or discipleship? What makes it distinctive? What makes it unique? Okay, the first I would say that um, prayer resolution provides the how-to steps. You know, in church we say, bring the problem to God. Okay, how? Prayer resolution provides the how, provides the how-to steps to bring the problem to God or lay, lay the issue at Jesus' feet. Well, it's a great phrase, but what does it mean? Okay, how do I do that? Okay, prayer resolution provides the how-to steps to do that. Prayer is the vehicle for God to resolve the issues that hinder a person from an effective and satisfying life. It's not just an opening prayer and closing prayer. It's not just bookends to a session. Another distinct thing about prayer resolution is um, we God is our Father. We are his children. But all the Godhead is involved in resolution. So our prayers are to the Father through Jesus the Son, who is also the High Priest, and it's under the direction of the Holy Spirit, the whole Godhead is involved, not just Jesus, not just the Holy Spirit. All three parts are involved in the session. Prayer resolution is solution or closure-based. There is a need. In prayer resolution, we define the issue and we try to know and understand it but if there's no resolution 
if we only understand it, there's no lasting effect. It's good to understand, but it's not enough. It needs to be resolved. Um, and it's only by God's intervention and power can it be resolved. The ongoing force and the power of sin is only resolved by God's involvement, God's intervention. Now we also, God's provided everything we need through Christ's death and resurrection. Everything we need to have a full life, a victorious life, God has provided that. And so we have every reason to believe that these things can be resolved with God's help. Prayer resolution is dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide, to reveal the issues during the session, to bring the long-buried issues to light. Prayer resolution forgiveness is defined as trusting God enough to believe that he will see that justice is done on my behalf to the extent that even my sense of justice will be satisfied. Forgiveness is central uh, forgiving others without excusing their actions and confessing without excusing ourselves. Prayer resolution, ideally, sessions are done in teams, and ideally the team is a man and a woman. We call them safe helpers, and the one they're helping, we call them the hurting one or the wounded one. Why? Maybe you've noticed men are, and women are different. And so the hurting one gets the privilege of getting both a man and a woman's perspective. What a gift that is and how rare that is in the church. Another distinctive is the safe helper doesn't, they pray with the hurting one, not for the hurting one. I've had people come and say, uh, Pastor, will you pray for me? But see, they're part of the priesthood themselves. They have a relationship with the Father themselves, and so they can pray. We just simply help the hurting one to pray to his or her Heavenly Father. And then when they finish their prayer, the team, the safe helpers, they can pray in agreement and as a witness to the prayer of the hurting one. They can add their power, authority, and assurance of answered prayer that Christ promised. Prayer resolution deals with one topic at a time. We go through all the sexual sin incidents or issues. We go through occult issues. We go through words of power. We go through one category at a time. In prayer resolution, initially, sins are the focus but the ultimate goal is to get rid of the sin so that the truth, so truth and righteousness become the focal point. So we deal with forgiveness issues at the beginning, but eventually we want to deal with the lies, the destructive beliefs they have, and replace them with truth so that they can live out of the truths instead of living out of the lies. Okay, in prayer resolution, there's a need to be specific as possible. The details are important. There's a lot of discussion that happens before 
the person is fully aware, aware of what he or she is asking God as Father to do. You can try to be efficient and do things quickly, but that just means you'll have to do them again because you need to be thorough. The details matter. So don't, don't feel, don't rush through the process. Prayer resolution takes significant blocks of time. The idea is when we open up an issue, we want to finish that issue in the same day. When we open up the box, we want to close the box the same day. And so typically we set aside three to four hours for a session. Now sometimes we finish earlier than that, and some, and occasionally we end later, but we find that three to four hours, most things are resolved. From our experience, we know most things can be resolved in that period of time. Uh, during the session, there is also uh, a lot of teaching that happens. There can be, the hurting one can have distortions about God and sin and forgiveness and many other things they might have distortions about. So we, there's teaching that goes on during the session and the session can be quite intense for the hurting one. Well, not just the hurting one, but can be quite intense. There can be grief and tears and anger, even rage, as the person sees the issue with more understanding and sees the issue from God's perspective. And as we discussed earlier, prayer resolution is a, a supplement to, not a replacement for other approaches. We are not in competition with other counseling techniques. Whatever techniques or schools of thought that are used, they need to add prayer resolution to their toolkit. Okay, within God's law, there's principles that cannot be violated without serious consequences. For example, the wages of all sin is death. We have, we tend to dwell on our state in sin and the final payment or it's payment through Christ's sacrifice, but there are sins that affect us as well. And in other words, there can be ongoing effects even after uh, we are forgiven. Christ's sacrifice created the grounds for us to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be adopted. But his death and resurrection also provided a means for being released from sin every day and from its power and its ongoing consequences right now and here. The Christian, in PR, the Christian isn't told to try harder. They're just simply to let, to live in Christ and let Christ live through them. Another thing about PR is that we recognize that there's certain sins in the Old Testament that resulted in death and we call those death sins, and that when these sins are committed, there's forces and ongoing consequences that don't stop at when they become believers. So here's the significance is rebellion, sexual sins, and occult type of activities these seem to, they still have an effect even after someone becomes a believer. They can still affect them. 
So they seem to have more power to affect them than other sins. And so they need to be dealt with specifically before God. They just Christ's blood has provided everything we need. All they have to do is pray and it's finished. So if there's unresolved sin in our life, if there's darkness still in us, it can affect our relationship with God. It can also affect those that we minister to. And it can also affect our spouse and family. These unresolved sins can affect um, our ministry. Also, we can be less effective or ineffective because of it. And they change, and unresolved sin changes the way we see God, our worldview of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of others. There's some goals that we have for prayer resolution. One of the goals is we want to make, as we go through prayer resolution, we want to become more aware of the reality and the, from God's perspective. What's real? God's perspective is real. God's perspective is the reality. We want to equip ourselves with the tools to help others and, and equip other people. We want to make our brothers and sisters in Christ stronger. We want to help our brothers and sisters accept themselves as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. We want to recognize how terrible sin is and how it shapes our lives. I'd like to um, pray as we close this. Father, thank you for the principles behind prayer resolution. Thank you for um, hearing our prayers as your sons and daughters, resolving them when we pray in a way that you can answer. Thank you for all those people that have a heart to restore the wounded, not just those who do prayer resolution, but for all of them. There's lots of darkness in this world, lots of problems, and um, they have the same heart to restore the wounded. Now, Father, just give us good rest. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.